Well, it's a good Sunday to talk about light. It is a bright, sunshiny day. If you were up on Facebook, I put a note for you. Get you a little prepared for what's coming. We are still in Luke chapter 8, but we are not on the parable of the sower anymore. Right after Jesus explained the parable of the sower, He went on into another parable. And we're going to take a look at that in the light that it gives us. But here's your question. Have you covered up your light? Now, why would anyone cover up a light that they had? Why would anyone take light that is in them and cover it? But that's what Jesus talks about here in this parable. He says, why would somebody take a light and put something over it to cover it? Why would somebody do that? Now, we think about light we think about lights like these that uh, run on electricity and you turn them on and you turn them off. And if you cover them, well, then you, you cover. It's no big deal. But they weren't dealing with electric lights. They were dealing, Jesus, they had lamps. And so when you covered a, a, a lamp, you're covering a flame. So think about it in that context. Jesus says, why would you take a lamp that's lit and put it under a piece of furniture why would you put some kind of a covering over top of it well, we're going to take a look at this parable here today and see what things we need to look at the last couple of weeks we looked at the parable of the sower and we spent several weeks on it learning principles of how not to poison the seed, the soil we're in because if you take the soil that the seed of the word comes in and you, you poison that soil with either rocks so that the seed can't grow or there's thorns so that the, the seed of the word is outcompeted with other things. Temptations come and cause you to not believe the word that's in you. If you let your soil be poisoned with wrong thoughts, anger, bitterness. One of the things he had got into was uh, offenses. If you let these things come in, if you begin to speak these things out, you're messing with the soil, which is going to mess with the seed, which is going to keep the growth down, which means you don't get the harvest that you want. And we all stand around and say, Oh God, heal me. Oh God, take care of this need I have over here. Oh God, minister to me over here. But I'm not doing the things to allow the seed to grow. And we spent a number of weeks on that. I'm not going to review all that here now. But after he gets done with that, remember he has his disciples by themselves. They came to him by themselves and say, what does this parable mean? And he says, it's for you to know the keys of the kingdom. I want you to know these things. And so he explains it all to them. But then he goes right into this parable. Let's read it together. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on the lampstand that those who enter may see the light. Now he says no one would do this naturally. In the natural, no one's going to take a lamp, light it, and then put something over it to cover it or put it underneath of a... It says bed there, but it's any kind of piece of furniture. Just put it under some kind of a, a piece of furniture. You're not going to do that. For one thing, you would risk that piece of furniture catching on fire. That wouldn't be good. 
But he said, you're not going to do that. In the natural, you, you wouldn't. But apparently, in the, spirit, in the spiritual area, some people would. Otherwise, he's not teaching this. Now, this comes after, of course, the, the parable of the sower, after he got done explaining it. But I want you to note this about this, this part here. Let me read it again. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. The person in the parable who lit the lamp is the same one who covers it. In the parable of the sower, it was the enemy that came against the seed. But here in this one, you put the cover over your own light. This is not the enemy coming and putting a cover over your light. This is you putting a cover on the light. Say this with me. No one can cover my light except me. Only you can do it. The enemy cannot cover your light. He would like to, but he cannot. Jesus says right here, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand. You're the one who does the covering. Now, why would it happen? Why would someone do this spiritually? Why would you take light that God has given you in an area and cover it? Now, a lot of times we look at this parable and we're thinking, we have the song, you know, be a, be a light for, for Jesus and go out there and, you know, and be a light. And we all think, oh, I got to go out in the world and be a light. And that's good. That's, that's something you should do. You should go out in the world and be a light. But that's not all what, they, what he's talking about here. If you only take that from his meaning, then you've, you've missed what's happened. This comes right after the parable of the sower, which is talking about what's going on inside of you. What happens when the, word, the seed is sown inside of you? And then he goes on into this parable. Now, why would it happen? Why would anyone cover? Now, I put a couple of reasons here. I'm not saying that this is all the reasons. I'm just giving you a couple of reasons. You can probably add some more to it. But I'll give you four here. First off, I don't like what the light revealed. I got a light that came on. God gave me light and it revealed something. I don't like that. You mean I have to forgive them? Mm -mm. And so what do we do? Just going to cover that up a little bit right there. (laughs) Huh. I mean, I don't have a right to be offended at this this thing that happened. I think we're just going to cover that up right here. Just... Just cover that. Don't like that. Here's another one. I've become embarrassed about it. What the Word of God has has shown me, the light that I have, it embarrassed me. Or I'm embarrassed even about the Word. Now sometimes we can get embarrassed about the, the Word of God. We look at some of the things that the Word of God teaches and they're not, there are some things that are just not popular right now. That the church is uh, either letting go of or whatever. You know, abortion is, is one of those things. And a lot of churches are backing off on abortion and just say, you know, well, uh, we just can't hold to it that, that strongly because uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a sensitive topic. And that's not right. That's not good. 
Jesus has made it real clear what he feels about kids, doesn't he? God is the one who gives life. And we're out there snuffing it out. If you've ever seen some of the, the pictures about abortion and some of the things that go on, I don't know how anyone can do it. I, I just don't know. How is it the same people can protect eagles and turtles and slaughter people? I, I don't know how they can do that. But you see, I may become embarrassed. All right, I believe that that's true, but I, I don't want people to know that I believe that's true. And so we, we cover it. We have all this stuff going on about, about, about sexes. You know, male, female, other. I don't believe there is another. I believe you're either one or the, the other. But then you get people who, um, you know, how many heard about that teacher in, what was it, kindergarten or some young, young age and trying to teach this uh, young boy that he might be a girl and trapped in a boy's body. And confused him. And it took a little while for the parents to find out that was going on. But they felt like they had the opportunity to, to do that. And these things are being, are being taught to people. Now, you know, here, here in this church, I don't get embarrassed by what the, if the Word of God taught it, then that's what we hold on to. To me, abortion is wrong. It doesn't mean that if you had an abortion, that God hates you. Or that we hate you. Nothing could be further from the truth. Some people have been led into having an abortion, didn't know what it was about, and, and did that and feel tremendously, tremendous remorse over, the, over that. We don't get into condemning those, those folks at all. No, no, no. God, there's, there's forgiveness for that. Glory to God. Just get on in the family. But I'm not going to be embarrassed about, about that fact. I'm not embarrassed about the fact that the Word of God teaches that homosexuality is wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that if I run into someone who's practicing homosexuality that I, I have all kinds of hateful words towards them or treat them in a despisable way or anything like that. No. They need Jesus more than anyone does. Well, as much as anyone else does. We certainly want to help them out. And do all we can to, to do that. And I have done so over the, the course of my life. I've, I've never uh, not, not ministered. But I'm not going to get embarrassed about that. I'm not going to say that the Word of God doesn't teach it because the Word of God does. I'm not going to put a covering over that which the Word of God has taught us. Now, of course, people in the news media, they want to take those things and they want to uh, make them into something that they aren't. And that people are hateful. And then people are, you know, if you won't make a wedding cake for a person of a certain persuasion, then you're hateful. And so they want you to get embarrassed about the truth of God's Word. Let's see, that's another reason why we would put a put something over top of it. Cover it up. Because I'm embarrassed about it. Don't be embarrassed. If the Word of God said it, this is, this is how it is. If you don't choose to believe it, that's up to you. You have the right to not believe it and to go off and to, to live the, the way that you want. That's fine. We're just here to tell you. <laughs> not you, but we're just, <laughs> we're just here to let people know that the Word of God says some things about it. And we want you to know what it says. And if you want to choose and, and not go that direction, well, that's something that you can do. You know, we don't, we don't force that upon anyone. We don't want legislation that says that, that this should, should go on and that this should happen. How many of y'all heard Disney's announcement that since Georgia passed their law, they're not going to film anymore in Georgia? I saw many a, a thing put up though of all the countries that Disney will for, film in for, for which 
They have much harsher practices than what Georgia is doing. But they're okay with that. See, there's, there's no consistency there. Got to be consistent. The Word of God is going to be consistent. All right, let's get on here. I don't like what the light revealed. I become embarrassed about it. I don't consider it to be important. One of the reasons we put a covering over it is because I don't consider it to be important. Well, I heard that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's all right. You know, uh, Jesus is the healer. Oh, that's that's good. Jesus is the one who forgives our sin. Oh, yeah, that's good. All right. But I don't see it as super important. And so we um, we put that away. Ms. Ethel was talking here in the beginning of the service about don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. How many of you know people that have put a covering over that teaching? Just covered that right up there. Yeah, we don't. It's okay if I just fellowship my own or turn the TV on or things along those lines. You see, I, I, I hear what the Word says. I have light. But I don't consider it very important. And so I basically have put a cover on it or put something over it just to, to get it out of the, the viewpoint. Or here's another one. It's not relevant any longer. Well, that's the Old Testament. Well, that was for Jesus' day. That's not something that we, we need to do now. That's not something that I need to, to be mindful of now. I mean, that was for a long time ago. That's, that's not something I, I need to have in, as important. I mean, things have changed. Jesus certainly knows things have changed. So these are some of the reasons why people take what is revealed, what is bringing light into their life, and they cover it. I don't want that light in my life. Now, I'll put this in your outline for you. You cannot reverence the light and at the same time conceal it. You cannot reverence the light and at the same time conceal it. If you reverence the light of God's Word, you won't conceal it. It's important to you. You want people to know what's going on. Now notice they don't try to extinguish the light. They just render it ineffective. I mean, why not just put it out? Well, you see, that was the purpose of the soil. We're trying to put the seed out, trying to get rid of it. But if we weren't able to do so, if that seed has taken root in their life, then what we need to do is to render it ineffective. We need to cover it up so that we don't see it. We don't become as mindful of it. This is this is the enemy's goal. If he can't eliminate it, he's going to try and render it ineffective. But it says here that he sets it on the lampstand that those who enter may see the light. So apparently people are supposed to see the light that is in you. Don't conceal it. Don't cover it up. Let it be seen. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior? I do. Do you believe that Jesus loves the world? Oh, I do, yes. And we bring out the light that we have. And we speak it. Now he also says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't, don't put truth before people who, who won't 
who don't want it. That's fine. But it doesn't mean that you cover it up. You see, you got the light on in the room. People come in the room and say, what's that light? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and you can tell them some things. All you got to do is tell a little bit of the truth about it. And pretty soon people will just say, oh, I don't want to hear about that. Okay. But you say you haven't concealed it. It's still out there. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. Now we gotta be careful because sometimes we can, we can step outside of the light. We can step out, outside of it. I, I've told you stories of Brother Hagin. He was, um, uh, very instrumental in my life and taught us many, many things. And sometimes he would come out and he would teach us something, a principle. And I would hear that principle. And see, I allowed that principle to come into my life and shed light on it, even if I didn't understand it. Even if I didn't totally have a grip on it yet, I'm going to let that be a light in my life. And I'm going to go out there and, and check these things out. One of the things that he used to, he taught us, and when he taught it to us, when we went down there for for um, our yearly trip that we had done down there. He, he taught us that, that truth that um, I think he had come out in a camp meeting before. We weren't there for the camp meeting. We were there for Winter Bible and he came out and he brought it out again. And he was talking about how people applaud God in church. I remember that. And they applaud God in church. And we're not here to applaud God in church. He said there's nowhere in the Word of God where God ever asked for a clap offering. I'm thinking, this is, man, I don't think he ever did. But how many, no, don't raise your hand here, but <laughs> in the past, I know you all have been trained up pretty well here, you, you don't, you don't mess with that. But in the past, have you ever had a, been in a service and they say, oh, let's give God a clap offering and we all just start clapping and stuff like that. And, um, and so I began, I took what he taught us and I went back and I, I studied it out some more. And I found out that, uh, Cain brought something to God that God didn't ask for. But it's what he wanted to bring. And when people clap and give God a clap offering, they're giving God what they want to bring, not what God asked for. You see, God never asked for a clap offering. He asked for us to shout. Well, I don't like shouting. That's just not in my personality. Huh. He didn't put a personality exemption clause in the verse. Well, I don't like to make that kind of noise. See, I don't want to bring God what He asked for. So I'll bring Him a substitute. And once I began to see that in the Word of God, I said, oh, we got to make sure. So we came back and we taught it to y'all. And we've held it that way ever, ever since. Now that was, I don't know how many years ago that was. That was well over a decade. Well over a decade. And um, But shortly after he had taught that, I was in certain Raymond churches. And and they were doing clap offerings. And so one of the times we had one of the one of the leaders in the organization that had, had them by, I asked them, I says, what about this? Brother Hagen told us very clearly... This is not in the Word of God. And showed us it's not in the Word of God. I've studied it out. It's not in the Word of God. And we've stopped doing it. Why is it that some churches are going that way? Well, some people just didn't see the wisdom in it. They just went on their way. And, and we're not, you know, we're not really pushing that on, on anyone. I'm thinking, dear Lord. You see, we've taken something that, that's not important. I heard we had another minister came on, on through. 
who was uh, very tied in with uh, the things that were going on there in the school and the traveling and so forth. And he said right towards the end before Brother Hagen passed away and went on to be with the Lord, right towards the end, he said he was in the hallway and he saw him talking with some of the leaders. They were having a little conversation in the hallway. And um, he didn't know what the conversation was about, but he saw Brother Hagen. He saw him leave the conversation, kind of just duck his head down, and he whispered as he had come by, they just don't listen to me anymore. Now, I nearly fell on the floor when I heard that. I said, how can you not listen? But you see, this is the thing we can do. We take the light that God has put in our life and we put a covering over it. We put an exemption clause. We put a, well, that's not so important for this. See, we have a, we have a covering that we have put on. Now, if God has put light into your life, and you put a covering over it. And you get in trouble. Well, let me show you this. Let's go into the next verse. Look at verse 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. One of the purposes of light being in the room, being in your life, one of the purposes is to reveal. How many have ever gotten up in a dark room? And you wanted a light. You got a little flashlight or you got something. Turn on your phone. Just something to give you some light so that you can get around. There's a couple of purposes for this. First off, you don't want to stumble over something. I want to see if there's some obstacles in here. Another purpose we might have for that light is we heard a noise and we're going to check and see if there's any danger. Is there something out there that uh, that could be uh, potentially dangerous? Because this is something that it would that it would do. Light, when it comes into your life, will give you revelation. Understanding on some things. Have you ever looked at something in a dark room and you're trying to figure out, what is that? Maybe you woke up in the middle of the night and you saw something across the room, but you can't quite figure out, what is that? I don't remember that being in the room. And you, you shed some light on it. Oh, it's that. Oh, I forgot I put that there. And all of a sudden you have, see, light brings revelation. This is the purpose that light will have in your, in you. And if you take that light and snuff it out, it's going to be a problem for you. Don't let it be a problem. Now see, along the, along the way, and the, the different things that we do here in the church, uh, we, we give people light. I purpose to give people light in that. We have a lot of people that are involved in different aspects of the service. We have uh, someone who, who opens the service, someone else who does the offering, uh, someone else who closes the service. We have people who lead worship. We have sometimes it differs in, in who's leading worship. We have people on the computer doing the words. We have people on the sound system. Uh, we, have, we have ushers and we have greeters. And before anyone gets involved in any of these, these uh, particular things, we give them instruction. These are the things that we need you to do, you to focus on. You know, greeters, you have a, you have a, a list of things and to, to go over with people when they come in to make sure that they're familiar with it. If you don't stay mindful of those, those things, in fact, I wonder if I did a poll right now, how many could pull, pull out all those things you're supposed to do? And if you can't, you have basically covered the illumination for the room. 
in the worship team. We've given each one instructions. When you lead worship, these are the things you need to do. These are the things you need to not do. And if they decide not to, have they not covered up the illumination that they were given? These are, these are things that can be done. There, were, there are simple things, even with the ushers, in the way that the offering is taken up. There's instructions. For the longest time, we had, a, had it all diagrammed on a, on a map that stayed up for years. If we go another way, have we not taken the illumination that we were given and put a cover over it? Now think of it this way. Say that uh, sometime down in the future, I get a call from a pastor, and that pastor says, uh, I'd like you to come and minister in our service. And I agree. I feel that God's, God's in it, and I agree, and I head on out there to go and to minister into the service. And suppose that as I am preparing to minister in the service, I say to the pastor, I feel the Lord would have me minister on this topic and to go along these particular lines. And the pastor says to me, I don't believe that to be truth. And I've taught my people differently. I would prefer that you not go in that direction. Now, he's given me light, hasn't he? You see, he's the, he's the lamppost for that, that church. If I go into that church and I take the podium Sunday morning and I say, well... The pastor told me not to teach on this, but I feel impressed of God to teach this. What have I done? I have taken the light that I was given for that situation and I covered it. What light did I go in? I went in the light of my flesh thinking it was God. You see, you can't do it. I served under a pastor for a lot of years and we had some very different beliefs. We had some similar ones but we had some different ones. When I found out that my belief was different from his on certain topics, I refrained from teaching on those topics. You see, I had light. It wasn't for me to come in and go against that. If I ever stand up and say, well, I know I'm not supposed to, but I have gone against the light that I have for a situation and gone with my own. Is that not exactly what Jesus is talking about? You have taken a light and instead of extinguishing it, we're going to cover it up right now so that we don't see it. I know we're not supposed to do things this way, I know we're not supposed to go in this direction, but <laughs> I feel I have light on this to go this way. You see, we can't do it. Because if I walk in my own light in these areas, how will I tell the difference when I am walking in my own light in others? Don't cover up the light. Don't cover up the light. 
Now the enemy is going to give you all kinds of reasons to cover up the light. Some of the pastors I've had over the past, sometimes I could see some of the flaws that they had. If I saw some of the flaws, how many you know that's a good reason to just to cover up? Well, I'm not going to receive what it is they got these flaws. No, that's not a good reason. God put them in my life to teach me some things. And so I refrained from allowing their flaws to keep me from receiving what God would have me to receive. No, no, no. I'm going to stay over here. I'm going to receive what they have for me to learn. And I stayed with it and stayed receiving. He says in this verse again, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Now, again, this could be good things, revelation, obstacles, dangers, things that are in your way. But it could also be bad things. It could reveal some hypocrisies that are in your in your life, some falsehoods, some sins, faults, things of this nature. And I don't like the fact that that light's giving me this uh, this information. I don't know if you've ever done this. I, I think maybe the ladies might be more susceptible to this than the guys. But have you ever looked in the mirror and seen flaws? Now, generally, us guys, we're, we're just telling them, oh, so what? You know? <laughs> so what? Oh, well. <laughs> Plus, we have no mechanism to alter change, to bring any kind of change. We have no mechanism. I don't have a makeup drawer. You know? I don't want a makeup drawer. <laughs> if I got a flaw... No big deal. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, sometimes you ladies, you get up in that mirror and you see there's a flaw. And what, what happens? Oh man, I gotta do something about this. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta fix this. Now, if you can't fix it with the proper uh, application of makeup or whatever it might be, then, uh, you know, maybe sometimes we wear, we wear something to cover, a scarf. We try to conceal it. We want to get it out of the light. I got to get that flaw out of the light. Because I don't like that that light's revealing a flaw. But it says, nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. You may put that light under a bushel, but it will eventually be brought to light. So why not deal with the light in the room and fix it or get the revelation or whatever it might be? But either way, when I cover up the light, it can no longer accomplish the purpose in my life that it was supposed to. If you cover up the light, the purpose that God sent you that light can no longer be accomplished because I have covered it up. Don't cover up the light. This is what Jesus is teaching you. When light comes in, when light has... has entered into your life. Don't cover it up. Even if you don't like what it's revealing. Father God, I need to see that. I need to see... Oh, um, things are not going well. I need, I need to see that. 
He goes on here. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Take heed how you hear. He didn't say, take heed what you hear, did he? He said, take heed how you hear. So I wrote down a few things of ways or how you could hear. Again, it's not to be the end all of all lists. You can probably add some more things to it. But I can hear something as amusing. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not taking it seriously. It's kind of amusing. Oh, it's nice that you think that. <laughs> That's going to affect the light that I see, isn't it? Because I hear it. But I hear it as kind of amusing. You see, somebody can come and they can give you light into something that you're doing. They can speak to you. They can say, here it is. And inside, outside you're saying, okay. Mm-hmm. But inside, <laughs> all right. That's funny. You think that's going to work, huh? See, that's amusing. He says, take heed how you hear. Here's another way. I can hear as less than I already know. God can have come to my ears the seed of his word and I hear it and I take it as something less. Oh, I already know. I already know. I know more than that. That's like first grade. I'm above that. And if I hear it as less than I know, it's going to affect how I hear it, isn't it? How many have ever watched that show? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Isn't that funny? I don't know if it's still on or not, but uh, we were over to uh, over to my daughter and son-in-law's and uh, somehow it came on and we were watching it. And so if we, I just remember this one question that came up in there. And now this is, these are fifth graders, right? These are fifth grade questions. We've been through fifth grade. We should know these things. There should be nothing on that show that we don't know. But how many have watched that show and you have seen professional people, even teachers, not know an answer? And here's this fifth grader over here right now. They asked this, this question. What is the nearest star to the earth? My mind was processing, thinking of stars that are out there. There's Betelgeuse. How many know the star Betelgeuse? I know exactly where it is in the sky. I can point to you where Betelgeuse is exactly any night you want. I know where that is. I know that's not the closest star. And I began to go over some other ones. Thinking. And then he says this in the show. He says, all of the fifth graders have written their answer. And they're all right. (laughs) And suddenly it dawned on me. I am going after way too great of an answer. And I said out of my mouth, I said, the sun. Mm-hmm. 
Remember, this is the fifth grade. <laughs> fifth grade question. I'm thinking college question. It's not college question. It's fifth grade. I said, son. Sure enough, that was it. Sure enough, that was it. Ah, well, you can hear an answer as less than, less than something you already know. It's going to affect the way that you're going to take that in. You can hear it as unnecessary. A person could stand up, and you could have a job, and you could in this job, this person could say, I need you to do this, 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 and this. All right, all right, we'll do that. And then as you're going on, I don't think that's, I don't need to do that. Well, yes, you do, because they said so. No, that's not important. I hear it is not necessary. And don't, don't get so high and mighty thinking. Well, I'm, I'm not, that's not me. That's not me. How many know the Word of God says, be not drunk with wine? Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever miss that one? How about the conversation out of our mouth, not to be cuss words? Anybody miss? Don't raise your hand. Anybody miss that? How many of you think that the Word of God is pretty clear about no sex before marriage? How many of you see that as unrelevant? Don't raise your hand. People who got married think that sex outside of marriage is okay. Why? they got a number of reasons for it. See, I hear what the Word of God is, say, is saying to me, but it's not necessary. That's, that's not important for today. God said that for, you know, for a time, but that's, that's not important for today. It's not necessary. I hear it with pride. This is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and folks did. They heard what Jesus said, but they heard it with pride. And it affected the way that they heard Jesus' message. You need to hear with humility. Be humble. Father God, if you're giving me this light, there's some reason that I need this light into my life. I thank you for illuminating me. I thank you for, for giving me that light. Take heed... Or therefore, therefore, take heed how you hear. Take heed. Be careful how you hear. When God says the word to you, when the Spirit of God is speaking, take heed how you hear. Because sometimes you can hear, you know, I've got some things and I've studied in the Word of God that are different from what other ministers might, might think. And as soon as I hear one of these ministers begin to go off on this thing and they begin to say, I, cu- I can just begin to hear them completely different and lose what it is that I need to hear. I need to take that thing. All right, I know that's, that's true. I, I, you already showed me why that one was not true. In this, but I still got to listen to them, him, her, whoever it is. I still got to listen because they have something for me to hear. They're going to speak some truth for me. I need to hear it. So I got to be careful how I hear. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given. If you have light, more light will be given to you. Take that light, more light's going to be given to you. 
God is not a socialist. We told you this before. He does not divide all things equally. If you got more, he's going to send more your way. Why? Because you've been responsible with the more. So you'll be responsible for even more. But then he goes on and he says this. We don't like this one as much. Whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Seems to have. In other words, he doesn't really have it. But he seems to have it. Just because somebody seems to have a certain kind of walk with God, certain amount of revelation, certain amount of power, certain amount of whatever, just because they seem to have it doesn't mean that they do. Even what he has, or what he seems to have, will be taken away. Look at the attitude of the religious leaders when Jesus would teach and when he would minister. Didn't they seem to have something? Didn't they seem to have some authority? Didn't they seem to have some understanding of the word? Do you remember when Jesus was was uh, healing on the Sabbath? And the one guy, he stands up and he says, Don't come on the Sabbath day. Come on the other six days to be healed. Now someone should have asked him, When was the last time that you had a healing service on a Monday? Or Tuesday? Or Wednesday? Or Thursday? In fact, when was the last time you had a healing service? I heard one person mention this before. It's, it is amazing how people who never do what God says to do are experts on how you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and that's what they had there. That person, he stood up and he told the congregation, he didn't address Jesus, he addressed the congregation. Bring your sick on the other six days of the week. There's six days to work, not on the Sabbath. And Jesus rebuked him. He said, hypocrite. First word, he says, hypocrite. In the Greek, that means one who is on stage acting a part they are not truly. Hypocrite. On stage actor. Pretending to be something for the audience. If you are doing your reading chapter a day, you haven't been doing it, get started. It's just one chapter a day, five days a week. You will read the entire New Testament by the end of the year. We've restarted it. We're over in Matthew. But we read Matthew 7 on Friday. I want to read it for you, a part of it here for you. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do not, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? See, the enemy wants to get the thorns to grow in the soil because they produce no fruit. He doesn't want the word producing fruit. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and therefore by their fruits you will know them. If you're going to be a good tree... You're going to let the light shine in the room. You're not going to put a covering over it. And you're not going to put it under something. When God gives you revelation, you will receive the light into your life. You're not going to, you're not going to walk away from it. Now, are you careful with what you hear? Not just careful and, well, I gotta make sure that I'm hearing good sound word and stuff like that. That's always good to do. But are you careful that when I hear it, 
I hear it the right way. I hear it with humility, not with pride. I hear it not as, well, you guys are, are less than, than that. How many of y'all know if you have a college education but forgot something that was taught in the fifth grade, it's a good thing to relearn it? Don't just bypass it. It's a good thing to relearn it. Have you covered up the light that you have? Have you said, well, this doesn't apply to me here? I don't judge that as something relevant that I need. Well, I feel God leading me differently on this. I'm going against the the light. You see, just as the soils, we will be tempted to put our light under a covering. Don't cover your light. Now, how do you get rid of a covering? If you have already covered up the light that is in you, how do you get rid of the covering? And it's real simple. Be mindful of it. When you put a cover over light, you can forget it's in the room. You you can forget you even have it. It's still there. It's still burning. But I can completely forget that I have that light. Do you remember a verse of Scripture? Something that was written to Joshua back in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night that you may be careful to do all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The reason that the light has gotten covered up in our life is because we have ignored it. It has not been given prominent place in our life. How many of you have a refrigerator that accepts magnets? There are new ones that don't. We have one. We didn't know it didn't accept magnets. We found out when we got it home. I don't do refrigerator magnets simply because the refrigerator is not my domain. But my wife loves refrigerator magnets. She has them all over. She has things underneath of them. Some of the things that are important that she wants to put up there is is pictures. My son or my daughter, pictures of the grandchildren, events, things that are coming up, things that she's praying for. She likes to put these things up there and keep them in mind. But you see, we went from having a refrigerator of magnets to a little bitty part on the side that will accept the magnets. So she went from here here and if you come over to our house and you walk by into the kitchen you will see the area of which I speak of which is covered with refrigerator magnets but they're all doing not double duty triple quadruple what's the next one 
<laughs> Just keep on going. We got stuff underneath the stuff underneath the stuff. We had to get stronger refrigerator magnets. And we graduated to refrigerator clips. And the clip would hold more stuff and then stick to the magnet area. But they began to get heavier. And if I came by and brushed by them, they would begin to fall, slide right on down. So I refrained from that area of the refrigerator. You knock them down. But you see what happens is that the things that you want to be prominent aren't as prominent as you, as you want them to be. They got covered up. And sometimes we can go back on through, oh, oh, I remember that. See, Jesus says, this book of the law shall not, and what is Jesus? Jesus is speaking to Joshua. I didn't mess that up. <laughs> this book of the law shall not Depart from your mouth. You shall meditate upon it day and night. You see, if I take the revelation that I have and I constantly think on it, I constantly focus on it, I'm always mindful of what it is. If I'm a greeter and I'm always focusing on what am I supposed to do as a greeter, I'm always mindful of what it is. If I'm an usher, I focus on what an usher is supposed to be. If I'm a worship leader, I focus on what is a worship leader supposed to accomplish? What are they supposed to do? If I'm a worship team member, I look over what are the things that we're supposed to do? What are the things that are said to be and that is important? That's why we gave all the worship team a manual to show them these are the things that we consider to be important. You see, is it something that you read one time and set down? Or is it something that you stay mindful of? Well, that's not the Word of God. That's not, that's not the Word of God. I don't have to meditate on that. Oh, yeah? You see, this is how I always looked at it. When my pastor received revelation knowledge on what to do in a particular area and passed that on to us, then that was God giving him light for which I was to re- receive. Now, I have, I have verses on that. You, wanna, you want them? Revelations chapter 2. In Revelations chapter 3, to the angel of the church of Laodicea, Philadelphia, Ephesus. That word there, angel, is the word messenger. Who he was writing to was the pastor. To the pastor of the church of Sardis. And he relayed a message to him. See, the pastor is supposed to hear. God, how do we take care of this? And God is to speak to him. And God is to say, this is what you do. And so when my pastor would say, do this, you know what I did? I did it. I focused on it. If he would say, I need this done, I don't want this done, that's all you need to do is tell me. I'm not going to be led by God to go against it because you're the messenger. That's important. You see, if I will treat the light that I have been given in that way, then God says, do you see how they're treating the light that they have? Let's give them more. Isn't that what he said? 
to whom has more will be given. You see, if I don't possess what I have, I may seem like I have it, but I don't. You need to possess what you got. And so when God speaks revelation knowledge to you, when you're going to take on something in the area of ministry, and there are guidelines for that particular ministry, there are things spoken about it, you need to be mindful of it. You need to understand it. Sometimes I would, I would go over, all right, what am I supposed to accomplish here? What does the pastor want me to accomplish here before I would embark on whatever it was I was going to do? And I made sure I had those things written down. What was important to him? And along the lines, he may throw out something, well, this is important. Or I may pick up, this is important. Oh, that's important to him. And I'd write it down and I'd get it there and I'd be focused on it. You see, to him who has more will be given. How many of you want more light? Then take the light that you have right now and you treat it with every bit of respect and admiration that you can give it. And you don't make you make sure that there is nothing put over top of that light. And if there is, take it off. Simply by meditating on it, thinking on it. No, this is not going to be out of my mind anymore. This is not going to be under the bed. This is not going to be under a bushel. This is no, 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 no. We bring this out. When I am walking around the room, I see the light. No matter where I go, I see the light. I will stay mindful of the light. I am always checking out the light. Because if I will take possession of this, more will be given. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you have given to each one here light. We are not devoid of light in our life. We have received light. We have received light from your word. We have received light that your spirit has spoken to us. We have received light through the gifts that you have put into the body. We have received light in many ways. But the enemy is trying to get us to put a cover over that light. To not be so mindful of the light. To just kind of let it go. But Father, we want to be in possession of the light that you have given us. And when you see that we are in possession of it, it is ours. You said in your word, more will be given. We want to receive more light. I thank you for the light that you have given us. Father, you saw the hands of those that were raised. They wished to receive more light. As we treat the light that we have with the respect that that light deserves, more will be our way. So, Father, help us to go around our room to find those lights that we have covered, those lights that we have buried under the bed, those lights that we have put away because we were embarrassed about them. We didn't like what they revealed. We didn't see them as important or relevant, whatever the reason. 
Help us to bring that light back into our life and receive the illumination it has for us. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Before we go here this morning, it is our communion Sunday. It is a day that we remember Jesus in the upper room. The night before the Last Supper, the last time he would be with his with his disciples, the night before his crucifixion. He said, Do this in remembrance of me, because he knew we would forget. And so we have just picked a time of once a month. Some places do it every week, some places do it less often. There's no right or wrong answer. He just said, as often as you do it, this is what you do. We need to remember. And so every time we do this, we go over the same principles because Jesus said these things are important to remember. And don't forget. Word of God tells us that on the night he was betrayed, Before the supper, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread is different from the cup. The cup is the blood of Jesus Christ, which is what we need for the forgiveness of sins. But on his body was put our sicknesses, our diseases, our pains. The curse of the law was put upon his body. And he separated it because he knew we would forget. And there are some churches that specialize and they focus on the forgiveness of God. There's other ones who focus on the healing of God. But he says, no, don't just focus on one. Remember both. Jesus is just as much your healer as he is your redeemer. Don't forget the healing power of the body of Jesus Christ. As we eat together, let's remember. The word says that after supper, and I don't grow weary of reminding you of it, after supper there's an entire meal in between. These are two separate events. He took the cup. He said this represents the blood of the new covenant. He said, my blood just poured out for you. There is nothing we need to do to receive the forgiving power of God and what is done in the blood of Jesus. As we drink together, let's remember, we are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else you need to add. No penance, no promises, no I'll do better. Just receive 
the forgiveness of Jesus. Straight together. Glory to God. Father, you are a glorious Father, one who has such love for us. I thank you for that great love that forgives us of all of our sins. No matter how greatly we missed it, you love us and sent Jesus for us. This week as we go, we want to stay mindful of this truth and other things that you have opened up to us that maybe in the past we have let go. I thank you, Father, that we will be more mindful of the light in the room than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. It's always wonderful to see you, each and every one of you, um, as we worship together. It's such a blessing, and we also um, say uh, a hearty good morning to those that are watching by way of the Internet. We thank God for the privilege of being here uh, among you, and we are so encouraged because as we come together as the body of Christ, um, each one of us can be a source of uh, inspiration and help and just um, encouragement to each other. So we're, we're grateful for that. And we thank God for the word um, that is meant to teach us and to guide us into the things that we should be about as we are on this earth and that we know how to become lights. And it was so uh, encouraging to hear um, Pastor expound on what that scripture means about um, not hiding our light. And so it's something that I will definitely be meditating on this week as I go back and listen to on the broadcast and glean things that um, has been said here today. Um, we just want to uh, remind you that, um, well, first of all, we want to uh, go over a prayer request that was um, given by Sister Susan and her mother. Um, they're just desiring that they have safe travel to and from Virginia, that the weather um, and the traffic be uh advantageous to their travel and no one likes to get lost so we just um, thank God for Sister Susan and her mother and we ask that God gives them safe travels and that they will have a good time as they are um, going to Virginia and that they come back safely to us uh, we want to remind you today that we um, have our covered dish uh, where we discuss different things that uh, are going on and that we want to have everyone be mindful of the activities that are going on at Zoe. So we uh, just encourage you to feel free to join us this um, just right after service. And um, there will be plenty of food and fellowship. And uh, it's always a time of good fellowship and worship. We ask also that you uh, take your bulletins and there are a lot of good things that are going on 
um, for the month of June that we ask that you would look into and just avail yourself of it. Um, just um, it's just important to just see all the good things that are going to be going on for us as a church. So ask that you do that. And um, I won't say go and have a good day, but if you can stay and um, with us for the covered dish, we would certainly appreciate that. So I'll just say good morning and have a good rest.